This is Chris from Don't Let Them Burn. Welcome to our program. This is Codex Explained, episode four. And Codex Explained, basically a codex is an old document or something. So the Bible is uh, thousands of years old. So we're going to explain some things that have to deal with the Bible. Um, today I have Mike Spalding with me. But before we bring our guest in, I'm going to show you again. This is our Teespring store, teespring.com. You can find us. Um, we have mugs and T-shirts and all these cool things that you see here. And there's more coming, by the way, more coming with uh, definitely some um, unique messages. Let's put it that way. And this, uh, as I always point out, is one of our most, um, you know, I guess you call it famous. <laughs> I don't know. People, a lot of people like this shirt. I get a lot of compliments when I go out. And so hopefully you like it and you will help out the ministry by getting one of these shirts so that's that for there just don't forget to come to don't let them burn.com we're going to be updating the website to get it up to date and everything like that there's a lot going on a lot more going on than you think and uh, including music we have a video out called um genetic apocalypse um this features me and my daughter you can find that on our channel youtube channel don't let them burn and you can find it my music channel hurricane seven that's where most of the music stuff will go. And so anyway, um, you could like and subscribe and share this video and, uh, you know, leave a comment. Tell us what you think. Do you like it? Do you not? It doesn't matter. Just um, get into the conversation. So today we have Mike Spaulding joining me. And I think we're going to start off talking about eternal security. How are you doing, Mike? Brother, I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing great this morning. Just worked out. <laughs> oh yeah, well, you're you're feeling you're feeling it again. That's good. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I'm I'm sitting here in Ohio, and it's about 75 degrees, and and uh, some folks may think, well, well, that's cold. It's like, I, well, for October, it, yeah. <laughs> that's warm for here. So yeah. we're you know generally. High fifties, low sixties. So seventy-five is is fantastic today. So I'm doing well as well, brother. All right, I'm glad to hear that. But you know what? I love that type of temperature. Fall, winter, and spring are my favorite times of the year. Yeah, uh, summer depending on where I am. But those yeah, those cool seasons, the seventies and all that. Yeah, that's 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 where I like it. Yeah, exactly right. Fall is my favorite. So we've got the leaves returning now. Uh, we, we live out in the country on six acres. We've got an acre and a half of woods. And, and so the leaves are, are orange and red and yeah. it's a beautiful time of the year here in Ohio. And I don't see much of that in Vegas, but I love no. that. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there was a tree where, uh, cause our church is moving, but the church we're at now, the, the location has a nice tree there and it always turns yellow. So that's a good, at least I get a little bit of it. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So today we are going to be talking about eternal security and we'll jump into some other topics. Uh, this is to encourage the body of Christ to let you know, listen, we're going to make mistakes. And it's all over the New Testament where you have Christians that make a lot of mistakes. Some unfortunately got taken out like Ananias and Sapphira, but they lied to the Holy Spirit and others were rebuked because they were uh, fornicating in the church pretty much. Right. Mm -hmm. And so all over and God is warning you from every book of the of the New Testament warns about 
um, thin and uh, you have sin outside of the body of Christ, of course, that's that that's that's why we need salvation. And then you have sin that occurs after you're saved and you're, you're going through a process of sanctification where God is going to mold you into the character that he wants you to be. Um, you have to let him. And uh, for a long time in my life, I didn't let the Lord lead my life. I took the reins myself and bared the consequences of that. But now he's doing a wonderful work. It's been a really nice ride since 2004, 2007, around there, where I came back to Christ. And, you know, now he's using me to do some things. None of, none of the stuff I, I, I'm doing right now, I intended to do. I didn't intend to do none of this stuff. So that on the radio or internet uh, podcast or making documentaries or whatnot. I was, I'm a graphic designer. So my, I was into music, doing my thing. And I, I dropped that and continue building my graphic business. And here we are, I'm over here preaching the gospel. <laughs> yeah. So Mike, you could take over now. Well, you know, Chris, that just reminds me listening to, to your testimony that God has a plan for every one of us. And I know that's, um, that's to some people sounds a little cliche-ish. They say, oh, here we go. God, God's got a purpose. God's got a plan. Yeah, yeah. Well, he does. He actually mm-hmm. does. And, yeah. and I can show you the scripture where he actually says that. So, and, and folks, if you've joined us today, I would encourage you anytime I'm on with Chris, Get your Bibles out. Have your Bibles handy because we're going to be turning into a bunch of scriptures today. So I would just encourage you to do that right now. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. And we're going to look at chapter two, especially as we kick off our conversation today, Chris. Um, So we're talking about God's purpose. He has a purpose for us. He has a plan for all of us. The scriptures actually tell us that, and and we're going to be looking at a lot more scriptures in within the context of eternal security uh, as well. But Ephesians chapter two, I call your attention to verse eight, starting at verse eight. Notice what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. Faith is a vehicle for your salvation. But when he says by grace, he's talking about God's grace. By God's grace, you've been saved. And that's where the reformers came up with the five solas. And we talk about uh, being saved by faith alone in Christ alone, by the grace of God alone. That's where those things come from. And so Paul says it's God's grace through your faith that saved you and that not of yourselves. In fact, I'll just tell you this, neither one of those things, God's grace wasn't your grace and God gave you faith. So both of those things were from God, it says. It is a gift of God, not as a result of work. So it didn't come from you, brothers and sisters. And you know what that means? This is good news for eternal security. It didn't originate with you. So it's not yours to try and maintain. And I'm going to put that in a context in a minute, because some of you may be scratching your head right now, puzzled at that comment. Yeah. Just know this. The scripture tells us that Christ Jesus is the author, the originator, and the finisher or the perfecter of what? Our faith. 
Christ yeah. Jesus is the author and the finisher or perfecter of our faith. That all goes into here, Ephesians 2, 8, now 9. Not as a result of work so that no one can boast. You know, there's not going to be any chest beating in mm. front of God. Nobody's going to stand there saying, yeah, well, at least I was smart enough to believe. Ain't None of that's going on, folks. Mm. Here's, here's the point, Chris. This is why I took us here. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship. It is Christ working in us, not our works, that brought us to faith. It is him working in us. We're his workmanship. Yeah. We are created as new creatures, the scripture says, in Christ Jesus. Notice what it says, for good works. Where do those good works come into the equation? If you're going to graph this out, if, if you're going to do a linear graph, where are you going to put works at, folks? After you're saved. Yeah. After you're saved. Your works are a demonstration of your faith, as James writes. And notice what, what Paul finishes here, his thought in verse 10. This workmanship, we are created in and by Christ for good works. And these good works, God prepared beforehand, before our salvation, folks. <laughs> God prepared beforehand these good works. Notice what it says so that we would walk in them. You know what? Let me put that in, in plain, simple English and layman's terms. God's got a plan for you. That's right. God's got a purpose for you. And he's already worked that out, friends, before you were even saved. Isn't that remarkable? That's just amazing yeah. that we can read that in the scriptures. And I want you to be encouraged by that today, friends. Because what that does is that takes a huge burden off of you as a believer, especially new believers. They're still trying to figure out what is this faith all about? What is required of me? How can I live it? How can I be victorious over sin and the things that beset me before? And, and, and where do I go from here? Well, guess what? Christ is at work in you and you're going to get there. He will lead you step by step. And the Lord's going to impress upon you the things that he wants you to be involved in. Chris, your testimony, that's what started this whole thing. Your testimony right there. God had a plan for you. He knew today before you were even saved. Right. He yeah. knew the things that he had for you to do. He is already working those things out. Think about that, folks. God is working in parallel where we may be at in our faith walk. He's working over here getting things prepared so that when we reach a point of understanding, acknowledgement, wisdom, submission, we're ready then to cross into these things that God has already planned for us to do. And, and here's something to be encouraged, friends. When God calls you to do something, he will make the provision for you to accomplish that thing that he calls you to. Where God guides, God provides. Right. He leads you and he provides for you everything for you to be successful in that. And guess what? It's for his glory and honor. Absolutely. For his glory and honor. Absolutely. So, so we're talking about that. That's just a, that 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 was free. That had nothing to do with eternal security. But, but so that so that gets us back. I can't help it, Chris. When I when I hear people give their testimonies, I just I 
I start thinking about, man, God has been so good to you. God has been so good to me. But guess what? He had it all planned out. Listen, right. and I'm not, we're not talking about determinism and fatalism and all that kind of stuff. That's not what I mean at all. Right. I'm just saying that, that, that your life, your life, sir, or your life, madam, those of you who joined us today, your life in Christ is not an accident. It's not an accident. That's right. God knew it from the foundation of the world. He knew you would be a son. He knew you would be a daughter. And he's making provision right now for you to live your life to the fullest, to live your life in victory, to live your life as an overcomer in this present darkness, to be a light shining that, that will make the darkness flee from you. And he's doing that for his glory. Right. So and rejoice in that. Amen, Chris. Amen. And it's not the Joel Osteen or these other faith teachers that not that type of best life now sort of thing. You know, we're all going to have problems in life. Um, yeah. Some of us, this is not, this is what the, the, some of them, not to swerve onto this topic, but uh, so a lot of these people are not telling their parishioners that some of us are called to die. Mm -hmm. That's simple. Some of us are called to die for the glory of God. Um, when you look in the New Testament, a lot of the um, disciples, uh, all I think, uh, how many of them? Uh, I think only John was the only one that to escape death, right? Mm -hmm. um, everybody else was martyred. So yeah. think about that. They were called to die, right? Yeah. Uh, for his glory, again, I keep emphasizing glory for because everything is about his glory, not ours. Yeah. And um, yeah. however he uses you, whether you're selling cupcakes and you put little Bible verses, all that stuff matters. It, it says all things work for the good of those that love him and including bad stuff, you know? So That's it's all, all things, right? Yeah. So with that, we exactly want you to be um, at peace with Christ and what he's doing with you. Plus, basically, not worrying about if Jesus is going to throw you into hell because you made a mistake or you did a purposeful sin. Or now, this is, remember, the Bible is clear there's not a license to sin. You got to preface that. It's not a license to sin, but the Holy Spirit's seal upon your life is for good. It's not mm -hmm. going to get broken, but, you know, I'll let you go, Pastor. No, no. I, you, you, you talk as long as you want to, because because while you're talking, I'm saying amen, amen, amen. And the Holy Spirit's giving me passages of scripture to support what, what you're saying, Chris. So so since you have your Bibles already open. Turn with me to the book of James. Let me show you this. The book of James. Starting at chapter one. Verse two. James writes this. And he's writing, by the way. Let's just read verse one. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So James identifies himself as a, as a bondservant. This is a willing slave to a master. That's that's the connotation there to father, to God, father, Yahweh, Yehovah and the Lord, Kyrios, the master, Jesus, the Messiah. And because remember, Christ is a title. His name is not Jesus Christ. It's Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, yeah. writing to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad. So he's writing to his Jewish brethren living in Gentile nations. Look at what it says in verse two. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. How about that? 
Mm. How about that? Now, mm. now, let me be clear here. He's not saying rejoice when you're persecuted. That's not what he means. Right. What he's getting at is this. You are being tested or you are experiencing trials or you are being persecuted. And that is a sign that you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, you have to understand something. When you are separated from God by faith, in other words, you're an unbeliever, you've never professed faith and you've never trusted in the name of Jesus for the salvation of your soul, you're already in the enemy's hands. He's not going to throw a lot of ugly at you. Your life's going to be ugly because you don't know the true light. You don't know Jesus Christ. So you're not a, a recipient of his blessings. But he isn't going to throw extra stuff at you because he's got you right where he wants you right now. Why is he going to why is he going to trouble you there? Yeah. But once you come to the Lord. That's when the enemy really gets upset. Yeah. <laughs> he really gets upset. Yeah. But when you come to the Lord, you are under the Lord's protection. Now, that doesn't mean you won't be tested. It doesn't mean that trials won't come. What it means is when they do come. It's an incumbent upon us as believers to understand a few things. Notice what those things are. First of all, it's important how we respond to trials, testing, and persecution. James says here, consider it all joy. Well, the reason that he said, he's not saying, oh, celebrate that I'm being persecuted. That's not what it means. Mm. And we find that out in verse Three, because he gives us the context. Look what it says. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you can encounter various trials, knowing, knowing, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. What is James saying there? He's saying, you already have a knowledge of the fact that tests, when they come my way, I need to respond to them in a certain way. And that first way is I need to ask, what is the lesson you want me to learn, Lord? Because look at this. Look at this. James is saying you must know that when tests come your way, they come your way to produce certain spiritual fruit. In this sense, endurance. So, Lord, what is it that you want me to learn? Then you need to understand that whatever this situation is, whatever the circumstances, whatever the variables, God will, on the basis of his word, his word is true, God will work in your life to use this trial or testing to bless and benefit you in some sense. Now, we can't see that when we're facing that trial, when that persecution is right in our face, it's hard to see that. Yeah. Paul says to the Romans, chapter 8, verse 28, for we know that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. All things, friends, includes testings, includes persecution. There are things for us to learn. There may be things that we need to get out of our lives. You know, testing and trials, especially when they're the severe kind, they are used as a refiner's fire. 
they will strip away all that dross, all those impurities. Persecution has a way of doing that. Yeah. We see that in, in fact, uh, Chris, turn over with me to first Peter. And I'm going to show you this first Peter, the very first chapter, Peter speaks of the same thing that James was speaking of. He says, beginning in verse three, first Peter one, verse three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. See that that goes hand in hand with what we already read in Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through 10. The Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, that's one reason why the apostle Paul said that the resurrection of Christ is the foundation of Christianity. It is our blessed hope. We, we see that Christ was raised and we know that we will be raised just as he was raised. Christianity stands or falls on the resurrection, folks. Yeah. Falls. In fact, Paul wrote to the to the Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter 15, that if Christ be not raised, then we are still in our sins and our faith is worthless. That's how important the resurrection is. So notice what what Peter says. First Peter chapter one, continuing on now. We read verse three. Um Christ has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance, which is imperishable. Well, that's that, Chris, that speaks to eternal security, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Our inheritance, which is imperishable, undefiled. And notice this, this next qualification will not fade away. <laughs> it's not subject to to rust and moths and the and mother nature and 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 time and all of that stuff and notice it's under lock and key it's under lock and key we we see that at mike right. reserved in heaven for you it's in heaven's vaults that's right brothers and sisters right. amen hallelujah who are protected so now he's talking about us who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be real, revealed in the last day. That is your final glorification when we are raised. Well, if we pass before the Lord returns, when we are raised from the dead, it says 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Or some of us may be living when Christ returns. I, I just think that's a glorious thought, Chris. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> Seeing our Lord return, man. So. Yeah. In this, we greatly rejoice, <laughs> Peter yeah. says, verse six. In this, you greatly rejoice. Notice this. Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Right. Life is going to throw curveballs at you. Sometimes they're knuckleballs. Sometimes there's a fastball and you don't stand a snowball's chance of hitting that thing when it comes through the strike zone. Right. Sometimes life just happens. Yeah. It just happens. But notice he, that Peter says, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, there's this picture of the refiner's fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, life is all about ups and downs and tests and trials and persecutions and 
whatever comes our way. But here's the one thing, the foundation of who we are. Our identity is found in Christ. Please understand, friends, those of you that have joined Chris and I today, please understand this. The enemy wants to get you off your game. The enemy wants to distract you. The enemy wants to cause you to doubt. The enemy wants you to stumble and fall and then lay there in defeat. Our Lord Jesus Christ has a different plan. He wants to raise you up, dust you off, and send you on your way again. Yeah. That's the Lord Jesus Christ that we serve. Now, talking about our, our salvation, our eternal security, if we want to talk, talk about it that way, I want folks to understand something. When Christ returns, and I'm talking about the second coming, not his return for his church, the rapture. I'm not talking about that. When Christ returns, the second coming, he's coming as a judge. Mm -hmm. He came once for salvation. He's coming again as a judge. He came the first time as a lamb. He's coming back as a lion. So you need to understand that. And the whole, every person who has ever lived or will be living at the time he returns will undergo some kind of judgment. Now, some believers don't understand this. Right. Believers will undergo judgment. But you need to understand that this judgment is not unto everlasting life. That's already been settled. Yeah. When you're a born again believer. That's settled. Your eternal destiny is already settled. The judgment that believers will be under is the Bema seat of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we see a picture of that. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You're probably familiar with this passage, but you didn't understand where it fit in the context of eternity. Because this is eschatology right here Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians 3. And I want to start reading in verse 10, where the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian believers, he says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another man is building on it, but each man must be careful how he builds on it. Now, what Paul's talking about here, folks, within the context of this letter, in fact, you can go back to, to chapter one, and I'll show you this. Part of the issue that Paul had with the Corinthian believers was that they were very divided. There were factions within the church. And we see this. Now notice uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now, I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul. And I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. What was he saying there? They're all saying, well, I follow Paul's teaching. Well, I follow Apollos' teaching. Well, I follow Peter's teaching. That's Cephas. Oh, well, I follow Christ's teaching. That was the really spiritual people. So there was division in the church there, you see. So back to chapter 3 now, and that'll make sense out of what I just read in, in verse 10. According to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid the foundation. So Paul planted those churches in Corinth is what he's saying. I laid the foundation. The foundation he laid was Jesus Christ. 
Now notice he says, I laid the foundation, verse 10, and another is building on it. So Apollos comes after him. Peter comes after him. Whoever comes through after him and builds on the foundation of Christ, that's fine. Notice he says that in verse 11, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So you're not laying again another foundation. The foundation's been laid. You can build on that. Yeah. As long as it's the true gospel. And that's what he gets to now, verses 12 through 16. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire. Now, he said a bunch of things right here. Let me unpack this for folks. If any man builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, what happens to gold, silver, or gems, or precious stones when they're subjected to fire? They're purified. What happens to wood, hay, straw when it is subjected to fire? It's consumed. So what Paul is saying, he's making a distinction between the works that are built on the foundation that is Jesus Christ. If you build with the true gospel, if you build with the true motive, if you build to exalt and glorify God, those things will be purged or be purified or will endure the fire. If you build from a wrong motive, if you build out of selfishness, if you build because you want people to like you or elevate you, your motivation was wrong, that's wood, hay, straw. Those things are gonna be consumed in the refiner's fire. What is the refiner's fire? Paul speaks of that in verse 13. For the day, the day of the refiner's fire will show it because it is going, and what does fire represent in the scriptures, friends? It represents judgment. Fire represents judgment and the purification process. And so the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. Verse 13, if any man's work which he has built on it remains, that would be the gold, the silver, the precious stones. Notice it says, verse 14, he will receive a reward. This is the believer's reward. It isn't heaven. These are the crowns. These are the rewards. This is the bema seat judgment of the Lord Jesus Christ that Paul's talking about. And notice he says, Verse 15, if any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. Well, what loss is he talking about? He's talking about loss of rewards that he already spoke in verse 14. How do I know that? Because he says in verse 15 that he himself will be saved. Right. See, he's not talking about salvation here. That The Bema Seat of Jesus, the judgment of the Bema Seat, that's not to eternal salvation. That's already settled. Right. What we're seeing here, folks, is a judgment of rewards. And it will check the heart and the motive of every son or daughter. See, we can fool people, Chris. We can fool people pretty easy today. Yeah. And the evidence of that is how many people are deceived by false teachers and follow those teachings right into the, right into the gutter, yeah. right into the sewer. Mm -hmm. right into a train wreck. So yeah. people can deceive you and they do. Make sure that you're sticking to the scriptures.
make sure that the that the scripture says and this brings up an important point chris don't Bible, you see that it that it tells us that we right. are to be spoon fed. Sorry, by Mike. Other people. Sorry, Mike. Start start your your thought over because you 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 paused. Go oh, ahead. okay. So so don't be spoon fed was was what I was getting to. That means that you can have a pastor or a teacher that you admire, but don't think that everything that comes out of their mouth is the infallible truth. There's only one who is infallible. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. No, it's not the Pope. That dude, man, he's going to bust hell's gates wide open. You see uh, what he's doing now? No, he's, I didn't see anything. Go ahead. Yeah, the, 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 the earth worship, the Gaia worship, they're minting coins over there now to the mother oh. goddess. Earth. Uh, Oh my goodness. Anyway, flee that place, but I digress. Let me get back to the text. <laughs> yeah. Don't be spoon fed. That's my point. Right. Check the scriptures out for yourself. That's what Paul, that's why Paul gave such a glowing um uh recommendation or 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 praise to the Berean, the Christians of Berea. You, you remember why? Because he said they checked daily everything i said they fact checked it against the scriptures to make sure that what i said was right and he said they're noble too many people sit in churches every day chris mm -hmm. and they just they just a lot of them don't even open their bibles anymore they just soak it up mm -hmm. say well i mean he's the pastor he knows he should say listen i'm a pastor and i'm telling you you better check it out for yourself but here's yeah. what i know to be true I'm not afraid when I tell people, you don't have to believe a word I say. You got a Bible, study yeah. it for yourself and see what the Holy Spirit will say to you. Yeah. I'm not challenged by that at all, brother. In fact, I think it's healthy and wholesome for pastors and Bible teachers to be telling their their folks that. If you're yeah. sitting in my teaching, don't take it for, for, for uh, check it yourself. Make yeah. sure, yeah. make sure, anyway. Yeah. Well, I want to um, add something to what you said earlier. Basically, sure. there's so many passages passages that show that we are pretty much sealed, you know? Um, so when you go to Colossians 3, of course, it's piggybacking off of Colossians. It's, the thought is coming off of Colossians 2, right? Mm -hmm. And by the end of Colossians 2, you see uh, basically he doesn't want you to indulge in the fleshly things, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. so... Here, it, you know, this is just a lot to really soak in because this is another promise, right? Mm -hmm. If ye then have been risen with Christ, seek the things above, right? Mm -hmm. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affections on the thing above, things above, not yep. on the things of this earth, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. So there's no taking that back. It's there, right? Yep. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good that's a good word of encouragement right there, brother. Yeah, it didn't say, well, um, 
come on now, keep it straight. You're going to lose your salvation. No, you're already saved. Yeah. It's done. It's a finished work. Yeah. The Holy Spirit has sealed you. You are, it is finished, as Jesus said on the cross. And after this, you know, for those that want to finish reading, re I, I encourage you to read the whole chapter. I went and read this, this chapter over and over and over and over and over and over again to get the complete context of everything going on there. There's different subject matters, of, of, of course, and it goes into, you know, basically um, not um, letting the flesh win and uh, going back to what you used to be and all this other stuff. That's so, right. uh, of course, it goes into marriages and the workplace and all this stuff. So yeah. it's a really good chapter for life. This is one of the very concise chapters to how to live your life with Christ. Yeah. So I just so, want to point that out if you want to piggyback on that. Yeah, I do. Because let's let's keep reading uh, verse five there in chapter three. Mm -hmm. Here's our exhortation to holy living. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. So consider yourself dead. You are free. Folks, you're free in Christ. That's one of the things to, to our benefit, to our account when we're born again, when we're saved and we're sealed. And we'll get to that in, in uh, Ephesians chapter one in just a moment. One of the benefits of that is that the, the power of sin over us has been broken. It's been broken. Mm -hmm. Sin has no mastery over us anymore unless we yield to it. Right. Unless we yield to it. Mm -hmm. Now, now Paul then continues on after he, this uh, exhortation to holy living in verse five, for it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. Well, who are the sons of disobedience? Those are the ones who have rejected Christ. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones who want nothing to do with the Lord Jesus. So, this is also a good rapture package uh, passage here because the wrath of God comes upon whom? The sons of disobedience, unbelievers, not believers. We are not, the scripture says, we are not appointed unto wrath. Mm -hmm. We are not appointed unto wrath. So uh, Ephesians, let's, let's go there next. Ephesians chapter one. This goes right in line with what you were talking about, uh, Chris, there in Colossians. This is a well-known passage of Scripture, Ephesians chapter 1. Notice what Paul says here, and let's, uh, let's start in verse 9. Well, no, let's back up. Let's go to verse 3. It's so good. Where do you even start, Chris? I don't even know where to start here. It's like, wow, no, we got to well, we include this. No, we got to include that. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to include everything in an hour, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. So verse three, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Think about that. Think about that. Folks. Do you know what you have to your account? You know what the heavenly treasury consists of, <laughs> and it's all it's all there for your use in the here and now. Mm. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the, you, you want something that's going to short, short circuit your brain. Try to figure that out. 
just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. Here is what God is at work to do in every man, woman, child who names the name of Christ. Mm -hmm. The father is working to conform us into the image of Jesus. He wants us to be a reflection. That's what it means to be an image bearer. The father wants us to reflect Christ, to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And this is for his praise and glory. We've been talking about that this whole conversation, Chris. Everything that we do as a believer is for his honor, for his glory. That's what Paul says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us and the beloved. In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. We've been purchased from the marketplace of sin. We've been taken out from under the kingdom of darkness, and we've been brought into the kingdom of light. Mm -hmm. We have the forgiveness of our sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he proposed in Christ. What is the mystery of his will? That you would be born again. All of this, folks, and, and understand, the New Testament is the story of the father checkmating the dragon. The New Testament is the story of the father putting Satan in his place. This goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when the father declared there in the Garden of Eden, you'll bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. Yeah. The New Testament is the narrative of that chess match, if you will, where the father checkmates the dragon and says, game over, dude. Yeah. yeah. That's the Lord Jesus. It's the cross of Calvary. Game over, dude. That's yeah. when Jesus said, it is finished. Mm -hmm. It is finished. Yeah. So he yeah. made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he proposed in him. Verse 10, with a, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is the summing up of all things in Christ. Things in, Well, you talk about summing up all things in Christ, Chris. That's Colossians right there. Uh -huh. That's the book of Colossians right yeah. there. The summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. Now, we talked about that before in, in 1 Peter obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. What does that mean? That means that when you are born again, your destiny is heaven. Mm -hmm. yeah. Your destiny is heaven. Yeah. To the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. Now get this. Here's, here's the point. There's just so much good stuff in God's word, Chris. I can't hardly stand it. In Christ... You also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, notice this, you were sealed mm -hmm. in Christ with the Holy Spirit. Now, that word there for sealed is a word from which we get, the, it's, a, it's, a, it's a transactional word. 
and it means earnest, earnest deposit down payment. We use the term in real estate transactions. When somebody writes, when they're, when, they, when they're signed to buy a house, they write an earnest deposit. It means here, here's my pledge that I'll follow through with what I've promised. So they put a check down on that house right here. That's my promise. I'm going to follow through on this. That was the Father's promise in Christ, the Holy Spirit that indwells us. You know what that means? That means on the basis of what Paul has said here and many other places in Scripture, the Holy Spirit in you is God's promise to bring you to glory. Yeah. That's what that means. Yeah. And we've read that a couple of other places, bringing us to glory. So the Holy Spirit, notice verse 14, is given as a pledge, as a pledge, as an earnest, as a down payment, as a promissory note. I'll, I'll complete this transaction. Jesus is the author and the finisher. He promised with a, re, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, again, to the praise of his glory for his honor and yeah. his praise, folks. Yeah. Now, we can go back to John 3 because when, when I'm sharing the, the gospel with people, I always take them to John 3, but this is a good place to talk about eternal security mm. as well. John chapter 3, and folks, if you don't know the context, uh, this is the narrative about the chief priest and teacher, the preeminent member of the Sanhedrin, which was the Jewish uh, uh, Sadducees and Pharisees. We would, we would liken it to our Congress. Mm. Our Congress has the Senate and the House of Representatives. The Sanhedrin had the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Mm. So Nicodemus was the preeminent member of the Sanhedrin. He was the definitive article, the teacher of Israel. He came to Jesus. He did it at night because he didn't want to be seen doing it. Yeah. Now, I, I happen to think, Chris, that, that Nicodemus did come to faith in Christ. Mm -hmm. But he came to Jesus at night and he had some questions. And what he didn't have just questions for himself. I think other members of the Sanhedrin had, had questions. And Nicodemus was the one that said, I'll go ask. Yeah. So this is the this is the context. There was a man of the Pharisees, uh, John 3, verse 1, named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. That means he was part of the Sanhedrin. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Now, Chris, I I apologize, but I can't pass that verse up without offering some commentary. You know, the Pharisees were always on Jesus's case. Show us a sign, show us a sign, show us a sign, do a miracle, do this, do that. And, 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 and at one point they even said, well, you're just doing all this stuff because of the power of Bilzebul, you know, the power of Satan. You know, you're, you're doing this by the power of demons. But here Nicodemus, he spills the beans and he says, now nah, we, we, we know you've come from God because nobody can do things you do unless God sent him. <laughs> yeah. So Jesus answered and said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one's born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What does Jesus always do? Jesus cuts to the quick. He, he never answers the question because he knows they're trying to work their way around to get to their point. And he says, let's just cut to the quick. Mm -hmm. You can't be right with God unless you're born again. Right. Boom. Yeah. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter 
a second time into his mother's womb and be born canny. Well, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. In other words, if you're just born once in the flesh, you're going to die in the flesh. Mm -hmm. If you're born again by the spirit, you will be born into the kingdom. Mm -hmm. You will not die. That's what Jesus said. When you're born of the spirit, you don't suffer the second death. Think about this, folks. The moment your eyes close in space and time in this dimension, the moment they close in that next nanosecond, you're in eternity. There's no gap. There's no soul sleep absent from the body, present, present with the Lord. Yeah. We close our eyes here and we open them in eternity. And, and I'm convinced, Chris, that when we open our eyes in eternity, we're going to see the face of Jesus. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. So Jesus is, is explaining to Nicodemus. Nicodemus says, well, how can these things be? Notice Jesus's response. Jesus said, are you the teacher of Israel and mm. you don't understand these things? Mm. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So what's he talking about there? He's talking about his crucifixion. He's telling Nicodemus, I know what you're going to do. You're going to be part of this group, and they're going to kill me. So that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. So just as I am raised up, what did Christ say? The scripture said, as I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. So as we observe the cross, as we receive what Christ did for us, remember, folks, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. Christ went to Calvary's cross, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, and took upon himself our sin so that we might receive the free gift of God, which is eternal life. Yeah. So getting down here, and that explains verse 16. Everybody knows John 3, 16. Right. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, notice, shall not perish, mm -hmm. but have eternal life. Now you need to understand the, the grammatical construct there, folks. Whoever believes in him shall not perish. You place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you are born again. You shall never perish. Yes. Can I interject? Please do, Chris. If you, uh, anyone out there that you, you do the word searches or whatever, go into the Greek and figure this out. Because where it's talking about those that believe, have eternal life, is basically saying this. The believing one has eternal life. It's not something that's coming when Jesus comes. You already have it. Yes. You just you just haven't been translated um, bodily and spiritually into the kingdom as far as like, you know, um, when the rapture happens, we're not there in heaven. Technically, there's there's scriptures that say we're in heavenly places. But what I'm trying to say is you walk around and you doubt, you doubt, you doubt, you doubt. This is what the new age does. This is what uh, Catholics do. This is what. Islam does. They doubt um, their religion or their security 
in going to whatever paradise or heaven they 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 dream of. Some of them are, are afraid to fly on airplanes uh, because they haven't outweighed good with the bad. Mm-hmm. Some of them are afraid to drive. Some of them they want to outweigh the good with the bad by giving donations to charity. Or if they're wealthy, they want to just you know be a humanitarian. It's, that's just good works, you know. Mm-hmm. But when you're in Christ, you are secured. You know, there's not one person out there preaching that you could lose your salvation that really believes it for themselves. Because they don't point the finger at themselves. They point at everybody else because mm-hmm. they believe they're so holy. Um, and, uh, you know, if they're saved, they're saved. But you can't, you God, God, God came here to give us hope because all of us have our questions. What will it be like when I die? What, what, how will I die? Will it be cancer? Will it be a car wreck? Will I go in my sleep? And we desire certain things. But if you go and look at the testimonies of some, actually a lot of Christians, especially well-known ones, before they died, um, they saw imagery of heaven. They saw angels coming from however it happens for you. That's how it happens. But I'm just telling you, go look at some of the testimonies. Go look at some of the testimonies of of atheists or whatnot, famous ones. And they say, you know, on their deathbed, they can hear the footsteps of the demons. They could feel the heat. Oh, my goodness. I was wrong. And it was too late. They died. Go look at that stuff. And I know that's a little segue, but into another topic. (laughs) But all I'm trying to say is. Go into the word study, see that this is not something that's coming. You already have it. Mm-hmm. You must be born again. So the people that are doing churchianity, you know, they check the clock and they don't really love Jesus. They like some Bible verses and they, they're moral people. They're the ones that will be surprised either when they die or when the rapture happens. Okay. So go ahead, sir. Well, let me show. Let me let me point out, show people, Chris, two passages to support exactly what you said. Oh. So you can stay in John three, and uh, and just glance down at verse thirty six. John three, verse thirty six. Jesus said, "He who believes in the Son has eternal life. Has eternal life. You see that? Has eternal life. And then." Over in John chapter 6, if you want to turn there, John chapter 6, verse 47. Same thing. Words of Jesus. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. Folks, you need to understand something very, very clearly. Faith results in salvation. When you place your faith, when you ask the Father for faith, you exhibit faith and you say, I am trusting in the Lord Jesus for the salvation of my soul. You have eternal life from that point forward. There's no, and, and listen, there may not be lightning bolts from the sky. Mm-hmm. There, 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 there may not be, you know, weeping and mourning and tears and all of that. Every person is different, but on the on the on the basis of Scripture, when you place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. Now, from that point forward, you'll start learning to live the life of a disciple. 
And that's where all these other things come in. What does it mean to live a holy life? What does it mean to abstain from these things? And what does it mean to, to, to endure testing? Well, all of that will come in time. But just understand that when you place your faith in Christ, you're a born again believer. Mm-hmm. There's, there's not a laundry list of works or things you had. The Bible teaches faith alone in Christ alone. Baptism doesn't save you, folks. Right. Don't look for your baptism. Running the aisle of a church. Praying the sinner's prayer. Speaking in tongues. Speaking like, in tongues. It's not salvation issue right there. That's not salvation. That doesn't save you. That's not a sign of anything. In fact, some people believe, well, if you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you, you must speak in tongues. And I say, no, that's not true. That's not the biblical testimony. You may, but you don't need to. Now, some people say, well, I don't believe those gifts are for today anyway. Well, that's fine. Then you continue on in your belief and that's fine. But, but what Chris and I are saying is there is a way to salvation. His name is Jesus. Place your faith in him. That's what God has ordained. That's what he's prepared for you. Place your faith. You are born again. You will receive the spirit of God in you. I think it's Romans chapter 8, verse 12, Chris, that says, if you have not the spirit of Christ in you, you are not Christ's. All right. So church membership isn't going to save you, folks. Yeah. Doing good deeds doesn't save you. Putting money in an offering, donating to charity, that doesn't save you. None of those things save you. Faith alone in Christ alone, folks. Right. That's the vehicle to salvation. And when you are born again, you are secure because the Father, the Father has set it up that way. And yeah. we should rejoice in that, Chris. Yes, absolutely. Um, two things. I... Um heard stories about people that were, you know, doing church work for so long, 15, 20 years, however long it was. And one day they woke up to the fact that they're not really saved. They heard a a true gospel message. Just imagine being deceived that long. Right. And another thing, as far as our works go, um, I want to put it in a context like this, you know, when we come to faith, it's because the Holy spirit nudged us. Mm -hmm. We did that good um, acceptance, that, that thing, because he nudged us. Yeah. Where am I going with this? I'm going with all the things that you do that are good through Jesus Christ and the work that the, the ministry you have or whatever. All of that comes from, from God, not you. Yeah. So, and so that's why you shouldn't get prideful. And be like, oh, well, I'm so good, or I did this thing, or what, whatever good you've done, the thoughts after you're saved, that's coming from Jesus Christ, not you. He, because of him, you are relate, you're able to love him. Mm-hmm. That wasn't possible before. You were an enemy of God. Right. So I just wanted to state that because a lot, of, I see a lot of pride going on, <laughs> you know? Uh, so, yeah, thank you for joining us. And please tell people about your new book. I know you got a new book out. And uh, where to find your ministry. Uh, I know you have a YouTube channel. Don't forget that. And your podcast and all that stuff. Go ahead. Yep. So so thank you. If you, you'd like to correspond, it's Pastor Mike at cclohio.org. Pastor Mike at cclohio.org. Um, Traveling the Road Together um, is is my latest book. And it's it's remembering God's promises in difficult times. So it's a it's a it's a word of encouragement and exhortation, admonishment to the brethren. To, to stay the course, 
Don't don't give in to despair, depression, anxiety, worry. But remember what the Father has promised to us as His children. You can find it on Amazon. If you'd like a signed copy, then email me, Pastor Mike at cclohab.org, and I'd be happy to make arrangements to provide that. And and Chris, I just released last uh, late last week a 366 day devotional. Mm. Day by day and the Father's embrace is is that devotional, um, just a daily uh, a passage of scripture and a thought associated with that to to get your mind percolating as you get out into the day, give you some motivation to live for Christ. So the, that's on Amazon as well. If you want a signed copy, you can contact me. Monday night live show, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Dr. Mike Live. Uh, it's on Facebook. It's on YouTube. It's on Twitter. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at CC Pastor Mike on Twitter. Uh, Chris, I appreciate being with you again. Thank you. Yes, sir. And both of us, by the way, are on Parler. Parler yeah. is the replacement for Twitter. You get free speech. You get to say more in your text and you get to post whatever you want. No banning and censoring and all this stuff. So check us out on Parler as well. And Again, thank you for joining me, Pastor. And listen, people, um, if you're a Christian, don't drop the ball. We're in a we're in a very peculiar time in the church age. Yes. And we're it's getting closer and closer and closer and closer to close. Preach the word of God, give the gospel, and don't let them burn.